The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. This battle for salvation in this battle for salvation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. I am Max Bernstein. I'm Randall Slate. And with us today as our guest is Adepticon. Grand Clash winner for 2019, Dean Bills. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, Dean. Uh, before we get started, just a couple of shout outs uh, for tournaments that are coming up. Uh, we have the Hobby Bunker up in Malden, Massachusetts on May 5th. That starts at 12 p.m. Kit tournament up there. The Dragon's Lair, that's Steve Talbot's place up in Wallingford, Connecticut on May 18th. That's also at 12 o'clock. Um, also we have the portal, which is, uh, in Connecticut, that is a June 8th, uh, date. Um, and I was just there a couple of weeks ago for their, for the, the first tournament they ever had there brought Malogs with me and I, uh, I won some glass up there. It was a great tournament run by Chris Spark, who's really coming up in the scene over there and uh played a few rounds against skaven stormcast and um and I, I i played some night haunt in the uh in the final round uh those last two games uh with uh with ben's uh stormcast and bob's night haunt you can actually see on the warhammer underworld facebook page uh they were streamed if you kind of kind of go back a couple weeks you probably find it see how that was hey never moved a squig nice they just sat in the back. They were literally riding the pine the entire time. Did anyone try to kill them? Uh, yeah. No, some of All them right. died. Like, oh, they okay. died. I just never activated them. All right, nice. What, what for? Um, anyway, so that was great. Um, and again, it, it's a really great place to go if you play 40K, especially they play a lot of 40K up there, I understand. Yep. Yep. And um, and yeah, and and Chris did a great job uh, setting up the the webcam and running the tournament. All right, so, uh, oh, and we will be having a second kit tournament at BFS. We're not exactly sure of the time or the date, but we are planning on doing that when we can get a hand on uh, on the new kit. Mm -hmm. We'll set up the date when we get the kit itself. Yeah, exactly. All right, so Dean, how's it going, man? Hey, no complaints. All right, thanks for joining us. Um, before we get started, uh, we just want to ask you a few questions about you and, and your meta. Uh, so first of all, uh, why did you get into this game? Why Underworlds? Uh, you know, I just heard that it was a the competitive war game or whatever, so I figured I'd just buy the starter set, whatever, play a few games, um, see what it was actually all about. And I've always liked deck builders as well, so it kind of hit like the sweet spot on uh, the two types of games that I really enjoy. All right, cool. And uh, and where do you play? What's your location? I play out here in Rochester, New York. Uh, so we have Millennium Games and Just Games. So there's two stores. Um, the meta is not too big out here in Rochester. We only have like, you know, eight, ten people that actually play. Um, and you only really see them at tournaments. There's not really like a weekly game night or anything like that. So I get most of the games online on like TTS, that sort of deal. Gotcha. But uh, the people that do live in your in your kind of meta, they, they are consistent? 
relatively consistent, sure. All right, not bad. All right. Um, oh, one sec. Do you play any other games or oh, any yeah. other card games or board games or anything like that? War games? Yeah, I played Magic for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Semi-pro for that for a very long time in Magic. Um, 40k. I uh, went to the first ATC. Took like, I think it was third overall um, back in the day. The first uh, Pal- ATC? Yeah, back oh, in right. wherever. It was, it was the first location in Tennessee, whenever that was. Um, our team did, but it was pretty middling. But mm-hmm. uh, you know how that goes and just right. a couple bad pairings here and there. The Battle for Salvation has taken a team there this year. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I'm considering going for just see if I want to see the rules for the new Shadespire format. Um, I'll, it's all speculation oh. right now. Cause oh, just, yeah. Yeah, we should talk about that. That's uh, It's going to be a team tournament, a t- two-person two team or three-person teams. Three. Yeah, three-person yeah. teams for yeah. Warhammer Underworlds at ATC. Right. I, have they released rules yet? Um, I, do, I don't believe so. Right. So I'm waiting to see on the rules before I commit to going, because if we do end up going, maybe we'll, we'll check that out. And if we if it's not competing with anything, I'll play a different game or maybe just with 40K or something. Right. I think and they're that also is in doing July. like a regular... Yeah, I think they're also doing a regular Grand Clash the next day. Right. They're right. doing a singles Grand Clash on the next day, yeah. So that's that's gonna be cool if we can actually uh, get some rules for that because like I don't want to travel that far for just a you know one day grand clash yeah, or some yeah. team right. event or whatever it could be very cool. Yeah, because we haven't really had a team a big team event in the U.S. Uh, yeah, really at all, and they've, they've had, had a, them, uh, several in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I know J- Jamie Giblin won his uh, from that we were right. talking about when we when he was on the show. Yep, and mm-hmm. other than that, like uh, the other game I'm into is Malifaux. Um, they're getting into a third edition. Um, I was the U.S. champion once upon a time. My brother has been it several times, so uh, a lot of competitive war gaming going on. All right, nice. Uh, I, I this is, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'll ask you anyway. Uh, what's your favorite word Underworlds uh, faction to play? Uh, thorns. Thorns, and why? Why is that though? Um, I like the the objective sort of gameplay. Um, it's very different than what people expect. So you, a lot of decks that you can tell it, you just look at the top decks are very anti-aggro, very aggro focused themselves. Mm-hmm. So if you can just avoid their, like half their deck, um, you can avoid their, my turns, their aggressive defenses. You get a lot of value in just turning a lot of their cards into dead guards. And mm-hmm. the best part of that is people don't just discard them and move on. They want to hold on to them to get value. So you can take advantage of that and just uh, leave them stranded for a very long time. That is true. I totally do that. And right. uh, as a as a person who favors objectives play, you think Thorns of the Briar Queen are the best for doing that? You you don't like uh, goblins or um, Skaven or anything like that? It's all about action economy. Um, you've got 12 activations in a game, of course, and when you're playing an objective deck. You're playing an aggro deck, as you probably know, you get 15 up to 15. You get your aggressive defenses, your my turns, you're ready for actions. Those are very, very heavily uh, aggro-focused. You get the most value when you're just swinging at whoever's standing next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you activate you know, Varklav and the Thorns of the Briar Queen, you get to move five models. And that's huge. Skeletons move two models. There's a obviously a huge disparity in that because, you know, you're only moving two with the skeletons, so it's not even like uh, there's a difference and they move farther for the two guys. You're literally just getting three more models to move just as far. And the goblins, until the latest board came out, where you got the three guys starting right next to each other so you can get three scurries in a row. Until that board came out, I didn't really like them. Now I like them a little more with the three board, but they become a little, a little predictable with their uh, deployments. Hmm. 
Interesting. I, I think it's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, how much glass do you have? Uh, I have the two Grand Clash glasses and uh, two just local uh, glasses, which, you know, it's cool to have, but uh, winning six eight-person tournaments isn't uh, <laughs> not going to, like, post about it. And uh, Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Shots. All right, anyway. Damn. So Damn. you did, you right. did win uh, the Grand Clash at the boys last year, right? Yeah, there was that was a small one, like 27, 30 people. They kind of announced it late in the year, and uh, so it really wasn't a lot of people traveling just for that. So it made sense that it was smaller. They doing uh, it again this year? They haven't announced anything yet this year or mm-hmm. opened up registration. So once registration opens in, I believe they'll be next end of next month, they'll open registration. We'll see what's exactly on the docket, but I'm told that they're doing it again. Okay, okay. If it's on a good weekend, I'll see what I can do. And that was That's right after... That was right after Thorns of the Briar Queen came out, right? That was very soon after they had come out. Yeah, it was the first Grand Clash uh, in for Night Vault was uh, the the Du Bois GT. I remember it was like a, the week after or something like that, or maybe two weeks after. Uh, I think it was closer to a month. I don't oh, know. October okay. sometime. Uh, yeah. times, but I believe it was a full, almost a full month that they were out. Hmm. But I could be wrong because I think there was actually. Uh, I think goblins were out. Yeah, goblins were out for it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Goblins and Eyes of the Nine were both out for... They, uh, they came out very soon afterwards, didn't they? Yeah, I like, I think yeah. it was literally the week before the GT that Goblins and Eyes came out. So I had to actually ask if those cards would be legal because there's not really any uh, rules for that on the GW, or on the, according to the GW anyway. Mm-hmm. So Got it. And I was, uh, and I was, uh, I, I, I looked at that deck and I was like, Hey, I want to try thorns. And I didn't know that that was yours by the way at the time, but it was sure. up on, you know, DB and I'm like, I'll try it out. I remember it being really good. But my, my favorite thing about it was that after the woo bar dropped, you didn't have to change any cards. That is an interesting sort of dynamic um, because of the way that GW has decides to sell the game. They don't sell individual card packs, which I feel is a mistake. It doesn't matter for a lot of people. Like you probably have your own collection. Randall has his own collection, etc. Right. But I share a collection with my brother. So if you look at his deck, which was the Dwarves deck, <laughs> he had like seven, eight, nine, or whatever banned restricted cards. Oh yeah, my my Magor's deck was basically it was like two thirds of the deck had to be changed. Right, and that's yeah. which it made a lot of sense. A lot of the, the they've been doing a very good job with the banned restricted list. Don't get me wrong, but I, uh, I agree. Yeah, as you narrow the uh, the card of the card pool, it makes playing two decks out of one card pool very difficult. Um, the same thing happened at Adepticon, whereas you can see, I don't think my brother his deck might be up there, but the same thing. You can see that none of our cards overlap, and that's by design. Aha! Yeah. We figured it out. So. Uh, we were assuming that you just didn't have all the cards, which is no. why. No, you guys were sharing them. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah, so I I might play ready for action, though I don't know how much value to get from that, but I would 100% play Escalation over Tactical, not Tactical, whatever the uh, score six at the end, get three. Because that one was just very, very hard to score um, in a lot of games, especially because I ended up being mulliganing a lot. Which one? The Miraculous Escape one? No, the score three at the end of the game, if you scored six other objectives. Uh, oh, superior um, tactician. Superior tactician. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. So yeah, and you I, also I, have this one as Nagash commands. I actually like that one, um, believe it or not, because it's a very easy two points to score. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're standing on all the objectives, then you, the other guy's not. Well, until people see that you have it, 
Like you might okay, notice, they'll just avoid objectives like the plague. They won't stand on them for any reason, mm -hmm. um, because it turns on some number of cards like uh, confused priorities. There's a new one coming out as well, which is basically confused priorities. Like you swap models that are standing on objectives. Yes, yes, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we're gonna so talk about that one. Yep, okay. I mean it could be very good, but again, like there's just not a lot of. Uh, people standing in objectives. So that's why Confused Priorities was in the Du Bois deck, but it wasn't in the new one, because I noticed very quickly that nobody wants to stand on them. A lot of people were actually putting objectives in my deployment zone, <laughs> just to like kind of mess right. up where I'm putting them, until they found out it was objective deck and it didn't happen again, because that's a huge advantage for you. But right. uh, Yeah, a lot of people are afraid of you um, using the Fainway Crystal or something on the Briar Queen and getting into their exactly, backyard. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Though she teleports to objective or starting hexes by yep. herself. So but Fainway, mm -hmm. you can is definitely a huge way to get uh, Everhanged or Varclive in there to do some damage. Yeah, so they will try to deploy the objectives more towards the center or even on your side. Right. To prevent that, yeah. And then once they see that you're not in an aggressive Briar Queen deck, they're like, okay, I can keep those over on my side of the board now. Mm -hmm. And then they're not even going to go over there because they're trying to come in and get you. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And they already burned one of the three games trying to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I gotcha. Um, yeah, because we talked about your deck in, in the last episode when we were doing the Adepticon debrief. Um, and we were looking at it and there was like, you know, it was, it was interesting. We, we kind of realized about the tactical supremacies and the keys, how the keys overlap with the tactical supremacies. Yeah, um, you see that in not just my deck, but you see it in any deck that's playing the three tactical supremacies. You just, with there only being one, two, three, four, and one, four, two of those numbers show up twice. So you care about those more, those are where the keys go. Um, with the new card coming out that can shift a little bit, you'll probably see a more of a key number two showing up. Right. But they Could probably should. Five. Yeah, yeah, they should complete that cycle, or at least make it meaningful for the same number of objectives. That do with three, five. You know, yeah. Logic would think that they're going to complete it, but they also didn't include, like, Magors and uh, Farstriders in the kits, so maybe they're not going to complete things. I don't know, but right. it seems like that's where they're going, I agree. Yeah. Um, as I was saying earlier, it's just a very aggro-focused game. It seems that way by design. You get glory for killing, um, you get more activations if you're an aggressive deck, whereas you mm -hmm. can't benefit from that playing in a more tactical deck. It'd be neat to see something like if you're holding more objectives at the end of the turn, get a glory. Uh, if you're for every two objectives you're holding, get a glory. Something like that to just like not have to play a card to get glory, like a glory gain. That oh, might like be just in, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like if it was just like part of the rule set. Right, exactly. Um, same way you kill a model is you can just hold objectives and get some points. Um, mm -hmm. There is some downside to that, obviously, because as you can tell, like the glory gain for objective decks is much, much higher than it is for a lot of the aggro decks. So like you might only have 12, 15 glory gain in a uh, Magor or a uh, Molog deck. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that's what I had. It was mostly like single um, score immediately cards. Yeah, until Tome of Offerings gets restricted, it's, you know, yeah, <laughs> you're allowed to do that pretty safely. Yeah. I mean, but a lot of the other stuff makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, you would definitely have, uh, was it Treacherous Foe is the one where if you make a reaction, there's a lot of reactions with that. Yep. Keep them guessing is good with that because you have the Varclaw ability. Martyred because the Chain Rouse are just so easy to get. Um, if you're playing the other Supremacies, it makes sense to play just regular Supremacy. Uh, last Chance, if you got Dodge Warbands, and you just have like a lot of push tech. 
Yep. Um, Sidestep, was... mirror move, confusion, sudden appearance, uh, howling vortex, inspired command. Yeah, confusion is more to get on an objective in case someone's like standing on it. You can just kind of move up and then swap in the last activation or whatever, get the objective they're holding to keep it from you. Um, that's not hard to do. There yeah. for. And that's not really hard to do with Varklov. No, no, it's not at all. And uh, mirror move is like anti-aggro tech, especially Molog when he starts. You just push a lot of chain rasps around him. Mm-hmm. He'll spin his club. He might miss the first one, but push him anyway, and then you can push Molog himself away with mirror move. Oh, that's slick. Right, right. So he swings at three, he misses the first one, he doesn't get any of the other ones. And he's just you know? yeah, and you just move him away. That's right. interesting. I didn't. I I wouldn't have thought to do that. That's a good. That's a good idea. All right. And um, as far as the upgrades go, we just talked about the keys, inescapable vengeance, Fainway. Obviously, makes sense if you want to be standing on stuff. Um, you, you have Glory Seeker in here. You are. Are you attacking things at all, or what? Uh, you, you, have, tactics. you do have uh, two models that have Min Three, when, uh-huh. especially when they're inspired. So you got the Briar Queen on Varklav doing Min Three, right. and uh, even with the Everhanged having Cleave, like getting them up to just doing three or four damage, like. So Glory Seeker is basically great strength when you need it. And I was playing precise use of force for a while, which makes a lot of sense with great with uh, Glory Seeker, because right. either you're doing three and killing them, or you're doing four and killing them. And right. uh, that's exactly what you want to be doing. Oh, that's, yep, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and you have Sudden Growth as a restricted? Yeah, and I played both. And, and Deathly Fortitude. And yeah. Deathly Fortitude. Right. Um, those just... You just buff something to be unkillable, really. That it can just um, stand on the yeah. Yeah, so it can be the Briar Queen, like if she's got her full health, you just throw one of them on there and then it just it makes your opponent not want to attack it. Because they're not gonna be able to one shot it, which really seems to be what a lot of the aggro warbands are trying to do. Just spend an action, kill something, get a glory. And if you just stop them from that being even being possible, they don't even try it in a lot of cases, they'll find a softer target. Okay. So that, I mean, that sounds uh, that sounds like you like you put a lot of thought into this. Is this uh, is this like the only thing that you play? Were you, were you playing just like night uh, night uh, night haunt, just like over and over and over and over again for a long time? For the most part, um, I mean, it helps again that we're playing two decks out of one collection. So I really I can't be playing an aggro deck if my brother's playing Molog. You know, right? So I'd have to buy every warband again or something just because of all the cards that overlap. Now, I have a question about um, the Slumbering Key and Miraculous Escape. Do you do you like both of those cards, or do you think that that was because you had the uh, restriction with sharing the cards? No, no. A slumbering Key is restricted for a reason. It's spend a glory, get a glory, right? Uh-huh. So that one's just pretty straight up. And this, there's another card that's the exact same that I can't think of the name of. Uh, a, Destiny. Um, a Destiny to Meet. Right. And uh, Miraculous Escape, I took a look at all the top warbands and uh it looked like there was a three an action or an attack action in each of the warbands that had three dice so they missed one of those because you're playing dodges and you get to score it um you could easily replace that with anything though master of war um that sort of deal there's a lot of things that it could just be but i wanted it to be a uh score immediately so it kind of restricted it a little bit just so you can turn through oh, you wanted that slot to be score immediately whatever it was correct exactly okay. I think that put me at four or five, whatever the number was, just to help you turn. Yeah, a little five. Bit. Yeah, right. Sweet. And and you've won all your glass with uh, Nighthaunt. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I think the first class I won was with uh, Skelly Boys, but uh, once Nighthawk came out, it was just a strict upgrade for the deck style you're looking to play. Gotcha. Which which you mentioned before. All right, cool. As, are you considering changing your main faction to Wood Elves or Gun Dwarves? Um, no, because they're not really objective focused uh, okay. warbands for the most yeah, they part. Yeah, seem pretty uh, aggro as well. Yeah. I'd like to see how the, how they change the meta, if they change it at all, see where everything shakes out. But for now, they don't change it enough that I think that uh, they might actually be very good against the Briar Queen, especially because they're both... They can do a lot of range, so you can just plink a guy off an objective from pretty far away, which can be annoying. So we'll see how it all shakes out. All right, sounds good. Right. So, uh, so who's better, you or your brother? I've got two brothers, and uh, they both played oh. Mologs. Uh... <laughs> wait, who's the other one? Was it, wait, so... Wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. You have two brothers, okay. Yep. So the, did they both go to Adepticon or, or they, did. Just... they did. They uh, did. All right. So how, so you so you came in first. Yep. And uh, uh one of them came in like eleventh with Molog? Yep. The Molog brother I beat came in eleventh, and the other Molog pro- brother came in a bit lower. Um he's not really a war gamer. This is kind of the only war game he plays because it's more of a board game. So He's really out of the conversation for the best between us, but it really depends on the <laughs> the game for me and Duncan. Um, he's very, very good. Um, he's like a, a rules guru. Like he can just spout a stat or spout a card, like from memory, no matter what it is and whatever game. That's just the kind of player he is. Cool. So uh, it depends on what you're looking for. Like, like strict play skill, I might have an edge, but in just rules knowledge or card knowledge, like he can probably tell you third. 30 of the 32 cards you're playing. Nice. All right. Well, we heard you say it. You are a million times better. <laughs> yeah. It's official. It's on the record. Yep. We recorded it <laughs> and we're posting it on the internet. Good job. That Thank makes you. it true. Yep. That, that is yeah. true. Yeah. That's actually how it works. Okay. So uh, we're going to switch gears now um, since we have, uh, we had another big grand clash happen out in California, right? Kingdom Con. Yep, San Diego, I believe. That's San Diego, right? Okay, and um, and the top three decks are found on Underworlds DB. We're gonna take a look through them, see what they're up to, and see try to figure out why they were so good, and why they won. Uh, the third place deck. We don't have any names, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. the third place deck was a Curse Breakers deck. Um, and just kind of looking over it, um, it looks a lot like, um, Amon Curso's deck, the one that you, uh, beat on the final table. Yep. Um, how did that game go by the way, from your point of view? Uh, I lost, I, okay. I won all the die rolls every, all three games. The, the For board the board rolls? placement. That's correct. Right. Uh, and that's, that's not great. what you want. That's not what you want though. That's the exact opposite of yeah. what you want. So yeah. it, like you're behind very quickly in that. So, uh. Like you got to play a very different game when you... Oh, and in addition to that, I didn't have objective one or four in, uh, of my two objectives in game one or three. I had objective one in game two, and he had... So I only had, of my six objectives, I only wanted one of them one time. Okay, oh, so, so when you when you win a board roll-off, which, which board do you like, and how do you arrange it against something like Curse Breakers? So... When I won all those games, I uh, I like the one with th- the th- the grouping of three lethal hexes towards the corner or whatever on the, the on the right like side the or the, guy? on the on, right on the right side, and then yeah. I adjust the whatever board he gives me. I kind of place it in such a way that those three lethal hexes are kind of keeping him away, just like in his face. Okay, okay. so you do the so diagonal. Go, 
deployment yep. where, where and you only leave three in the in the middle yes I, okay. absolutely. play cool. men for sure awesome okay so, so that's the way it was every time he changed the board one game uh the second game and went back to the original board in the third game and it, i just had the same setup each time i might have mm-hmm. shifted a little bit the forces deployments to be a little bit different yeah but... and then if you lose the board roll off against let's say aggro which board do you present them the three lethal hexes around the circle, the uh, so there's around the middle. So <clears> the uh, arcane nexus. Yeah, I think that's the one it is. Yeah, just because if they come into fight, you have the lightning one. I believe the board is blue. The blue one. Yeah, the, the blue yeah. side. That was yeah. the extra board pack that didn't it didn't come in the the box game that yeah. everybody complained about. Right, right. Okay, first. okay, I got it. So you present that one. Right, because no matter how they set it up, if they want to come disrupt you you have lethal hexes to push them into to get some a little bit of extra damage okay and then you do you try to put the objectives like near the lethal hexes or like i always play the objectives as far back as possible okay so just, okay I'm... just wherever you can as far back away from right. the midline okay that way uh it takes them farther to get there unless they're playing uh hidden paths or something right Okay. You just want your chain rasps to sit there. You don't want to waste too many activations or actions getting them back on where they're supposed to be. Exactly. So when we were at Adepticon, me and Rob, we wanted to watch the final game, but we were really hungry because <laughs> we had like just gotten there the last <laughs> night and hadn't eaten really. See, yep. what had so, happened was... So we didn't we watch the game that you guys played. Watch. <laughs> and I heard about it later that you know it was an extremely close game and then it all came down to one dice roll at the end or something like that. Do you want to talk about that? Um, well, I think it's a little bit of an overstate. Um, in all cases, whenever I hear I lost by a die roll. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, but uh, there was like 500 things that happened right before that. Right, exactly. So a lot of things happened to get us where we were. To give you an idea, in the third game, I lost the Briar Queen on going into my fourth activation on the first turn. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, he had the perfect storm of upgrade a guy, uh, ready for action, hit me, Push me back and then uh, cast uh, That's the awesome. withering. That was also withering. Yep. Yeah. To finish her off. I was just like, okay, so you had to have exactly three <laughs> perfect power cards to take that take her out. Which right. so like I got don't have the board, I don't have the objectives, I don't have the Briar Queen. So like you're very I'm very far behind, and uh, I you could kind of tell that he, he was in a position of strength, and uh, I think he let that get to him a little bit. So I, I teleported in with Fainway Crystal on uh, Varclav to try to get a, a quick kill onto uh, the Curse Breaker leader guy. Mm-hmm. Daddy. On. And uh, I failed, or he pushed away or something. Arm Daddy Thunderpants. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so after that happened, I uh, sidestepped Varclav onto the objective that was right next to there to just kind of get me there for the next uh, phase of the game. And he swung, he hit Varclav, um, did damage, but didn't push me off the objective. Okay. And Did he just forget, or was he trying to set something up? I've asked him about it. He seemed, I believe he said that he wanted to keep me there so he could continue hitting me with the axe. Uh Uh-huh. Um, which is range two when I was, I don't really understand. Cause if you just push me back, his spell is range three and hits you for two anyway. And the same with the same, uh, mm. same, same number of dice. So mm. I don't know what the, the reasoning was, but he 
he says he kept me there intentionally. I, I do personally believe it was a mistake mm. um, because he didn't push me off. Um, he failed to kill me on the follow-up attack, and I scored supremacy and uh, some the score one four or something like that. So I just dropped five glory on his head, and uh, he didn't he didn't kill me, so he wasn't going to score all of the things that he he had like kill you with a spell, whatever else that sort of deal. So there was a kind of a swing there, and then the die roll that everyone's talking about, which kind of gets a little misconstrued, is in the third turn when he charged me with bright shield. He had f- three or four dice on the the attack, didn't have any crits, and I crit defended. Mm. Dawn guard. Yeah, yeah, dawn guard. That Sorry, bright shields from the, uh, the lady one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so that was on the third turn after I'd already scored a lot of the glory, and. Uh, if he had killed Varclav right there, it would have been like the first activation. I wouldn't be able to put Deathly Fortitude or Great uh, Giant Growth on him. Because then I got him just out of range of him to be able to kill. And I just, it didn't really matter where I was sitting. Interesting. Yeah. So the game was very close. And I, it was a lot of die rolls leading up to that. And again, it was very late in the day as you guys left to get dinner or whatever. Yeah. We were going on like hour 10 or something. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to play there. I mean, I when I but what I mean is like it's hard to play after so much. Like you have to have really good endurance. Yeah, things. Yeah, and that, I'm pretty used to that playing a million different war games and Magic, especially where you'll just right. go for 12 hour days or whatever. Oh, yeah. so it was pretty much nothing for me. And you could, I had like a pretty bad headache. He had a headache, and uh, the crowd was definitely getting to him as well. Um, you know. Now, anything you want to say about the way the we want to hear your take on the way the tournament was run, the pairing system and uh, the uh, I think results. the tournament itself was run very well, very efficiently. Uh, there wasn't a lot of downtime between the rounds, as anyone can probably tell you. Uh, I think his name was Pete who ran it. Right. Uh, just a great guy, and I think he did a great job running everything. Um, it's not his fault that the pairings are the way they are, but... Uh, I don't know if you, your viewers or listeners know this, but uh, the way it's it's done is inside your bracket. So if you're 2-0, you get paired against the person who is opposite you in the 2-0 bracket. So if you're the number one 2-0, you're going to get paired against the last 2-0. Unless there's a paired, an odd number, because the pair down doesn't get paired in that right. group. So like if there's 20 2-0s, number one gets paired to 20, 2 to 19, and all the way back into the middle. And what this does is it lets the best player stay at the top. Because you're generally not playing against the other like best player, the people who are also stopping yeah, their opponent. You're playing the guys who are squeaking by. Right, exactly. Yeah. So after two rounds, the number one player was the Molog player who actually fell out of contention when he lost in the fourth round, and he had like he had scored eighty five glory points in two rounds with a differential of seventy two or seventy four. Yeah. Right. That's after two rounds. So it's like I don't know who he's playing against, but that's a lot of glory. He's winning all those games like twenty to two. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly, and uh, that's that's tough for a Molog deck. A lot of games are very close. You have to, like that seems like you're getting Tome of Offerings on turn one, consistently, and then you start the killing somehow, you know. But uh, that's and so I was like, you're just you have to like constantly be watching the pairings. You have to constantly be making sure that uh, you're maximizing your glory count, and you have to also like kind of not be, I want to say be a jerk, but you have to like really crush your opponent yep. yeah no it, it 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 breeds putting negative play experiences on your opponent 
Right, and that's that's tough. Cause like my round two opponent, like he had nothing but complaints about how my deck was built. He was like, "This is this is military grade BS or whatever." And I was like, "I I don't know what to tell you, man. It's 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 tough. I get you. It's, you're, it's not a good matchup for you. He was playing uh, the original uh, guys, the original uh, Stormcast guys. Yeah, yeah, the Stormcast Eternals." And uh, it's just, it's not a great matchup. They don't really have the mobility or the power to just, like, clear all the guys that you have. So, that's tough. But, uh, yeah, it it makes sense to do pairings that way to get your best players that are scoring the highest amount of glory in your final, final round. But the way they're all set up is you're talking about 128 people in four rounds. At the end of four rounds, there are eight people potentially who are undefeated. Yeah. And we had five in this particular case, but right, like we were down to ninety six after round one or something. Yeah, but yeah, and uh, this is something that is unacceptable in a, in almost every other game. Yeah, absolutely. It, Nobody you, stands for this in other games. You you have to play enough rounds to get to your top two. In this case, we should have probably played at least you know one more round to see if it shakes out to two the two undefeated. Everyone else can go home, and those guys can play their final round or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this this was tough because you have to win every single one of your games, and you have to do it by a lot of differential. Yeah, like you can't you can't drop a single game in a, in a match either. Like you can't go two one. Right, and that's yeah, that happened because uh, a lot of people were undefeated. The top five decks were undefeated, but uh, only three of us went true undefeated, and were in contention. Right, and there was one guy who did. And who was also playing Thorns and didn't get, he went completely undefeated for four rounds and didn't even yep. get to go for it. Yeah, his differential was like 50 points behind, if I recall correctly. Like we were 80, 80, and he was like in the 30s or something. Right. Well, so, I mean, you can argue that that's a fair way to get uh, your. It's like, a fair way considering the circumstances. Exactly. But I wouldn't say that it's a fair way to say that he played worse opponents. There was no strength of schedule sort of deal. Like maybe his, all his games were very close. Like right. you win by one and that's it. You're out. And that's, that's just a tough format to be in. And I agree yeah. with uh, Randall that that's not an acceptable game format and for any system. And also, as, as you know, from playing other games, um, the Best Coast Pairings app is capable of doing that Swiss-style pairing with Strength of Schedule. Yeah, I mean, they so, basically, like they programmed it specifically for the way that Underworlds has, has it set up. Yeah, right, exactly. So right. if if then and that's the only we I feel like we talk about this on like every single episode, but well, I feel like it is very important, it. and we just want to put this out in the in the stratosphere that you know a lot of players are unhappy with the way that uh grand clashes are run and demand change yeah i i expressed that to pete at mm-hmm. uh adepticon he had said that it wasn't his choice for the number of rounds um he wanted to run longer rounds but they were they were preset in a time slot with a number of rounds before that was all out of his hands so right. i don't know what the truth to that is but uh he said make your complaints known to adepticon and getting more rounds for the next event or what have you but again, I don't know the truth of it because it seemed like all of their events were run exactly the same way. So, yep. Well, it's a new game, and a lot of people don't really, you know, it, it's sort of a fringe game. But sure. you know, the the I think the attendance this year was great at Adepticon, and yeah, I think I mean, maybe next year, after we get another Woo Bar list, and maybe they, you know, I'm I'm sure that Games Workshop is aware at this point. Um, they might have a different structure. 
going on and then can schedule the the time with Adepticon for next year for possibly two days or just more rounds right. during the day. Yeah, cause, I mean, they were sold out of tickets for the 128, and to have, you know, 100 and whatever number of people actually show up, that's a pretty good conversion rate, because you know a lot of these games, they sell out, but then, you know, you lose 20, 25% of people, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, and it's good to see most people show up for this. Yeah. Yeah, it was right. a lot of Speaking fun. Speaking of people showing up for a tournament deck, I'm going to circle us back to Kingdom Con. Right. Okay. That's really what we we're talking about. Anyway, because we were saying that this this deck that came in third place is a lot like Amon's. It has Escalation, Master of War, Superior Tactician, Victory After Victory, Shining Example, Harness of Storm, Magical Supremacy, Measured Strike. It even has Scorched Earth mm-hmm. um, and uh, Sorceress Scouring, Strong Start, What Armor. It almost looks exactly the same. Um, yeah, barring the Earthquake. Um, except for the Earthquake and uh, there's one other spirits. thing, Mischievous Spirits. Which uh, seems kind of weird. Well, we we were talking about this earlier. It is almost exactly the same as the deck that Amon brought to Adepticon, except for the no, Earthquake and Mischievous Spirits, which is all uh, anti-objectives tech. Yep. So they must what do you, what do you think about Earthquake? Is Earthquake or Mischievous Spirits like a problem for you with uh, Thorns of the Briar Queen? Or is that a card that you like, you know, kind of groan when people play or... They very much can be, especially if they show up in turn three. Because a lot of times, like, if you draw them in turn one, you're almost priced into round, playing... Round three? Yeah, round three. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're almost priced into playing them on those turns, because you can't just hold a card and just be playing a gambit down for a lot of the game unless you're going to get value. Because, like, I can score on object on turn one, turn two, or turn three with most of them. Supremacy, tactical supremacy, all of those. Mm-hmm. So you're almost priced into playing them, and that can make it a little bit less useful but if you get it on turn three like it it can be very huge you can swing nine glory very easily with either of those cards right have you have you had anybody play mischievous spirits on you no i personally considered playing it as a counter to earthquake um back when earthquake and great sundering were still legal um but people have stopped playing those cards so i don't play it anymore but great uh concussion? great concussion great concussion that's the there one yeah well, it was banned banned yeah you banned. Okay. okay. But besides that, I mean, the rest of it, you know, the upgrades basically look exactly the same as what Amon had. Uh, Lightning Whip, Tempest Might, Archer's Focus, Fainway, Glory Seeker, Great Strength, Great Fortitude, Potion of Rage, Sudden Growth, Tome of Offerings. So um, similar there. We know that that deck can be successful. Um, it just seems like there was a couple of meta calls for them. They must have seen a lot more objective based uh, warbands and we're kind of looking at that and a little bit less Molog maybe yeah it's never a bad idea to hedge your bets either um just having those just having a card you can play against objective decks can be huge yeah yeah the the cards that are in place of earthquake and mischievous spirits are my turn and transfixing stare. transfixing stare right to anti-Molog so Amon was apparently looking more for anti-Molog stuff yeah, and they're looking more for anti-objective. If you read his report, you can pretty clearly yeah. see that that's exactly what he was doing. He was playing for only playing as Molog and Magor was his entire deck. Hmm. Yep, not a bad way to go. But then, of course, ironically, he ran and then here. ironically loses in the final round to a full-on objectives deck. It never played Magor apparently or Molog's yeah. rather. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. Um, so let's go. Uh, this let's go. Kingdom Con, uh, second place deck, also Curse Breakers, and we're seeing a lot of the same stuff. Uh, a little fired up there. Uh, this one was this one was very different. Well, no, in the objectives. Oh, oh okay. Um, except they had solid gains. Right, solid gains and opening gambit. Which is, I mean, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, opening um, gambit, I, as we I, know, I is good if you that. play a lot of score immediately cards. Mm-hmm. And then solid gains is a gamble, but that can. Uh, a lot of people score three really around. You up there. Yeah, it's not like great gains. Oh right, you know, great yeah. gains a little bit more of a gamble, but uh, solid gains is not so bad, okay. especially if you're playing like. I mean, if you're playing, if you're playing Thunder Buddies, right, you know they have yeah, like all my, these, my mistake. Yeah. I thought that was the the one where if you get five. No, no, this is a free yeah. one. That that's great games you're thinking. Yeah. Okay, uh, the gambits. First of all, eleven gambits and eleven upgrades. Right. But in their defense, two of them are deck milling cards. So there's Duel of Wits and Improvisation. Mm-hmm. I also see Inspiration Strikes in this deck, which I think is kind of redundant, isn't it? I mean, isn't it better to just throw in like you know, abscess on making or sphere of her. Well, yeah, he has two spell gambits. Yeah, let's see. Oh, we have sphere of her and I just sphere and of abscess withering. Yeah, and abscess withering. So he's got two. I don't know if you really mm-hmm. need inspiration strikes. You might as well get some some added value out of it, like getting rid of an objective or something. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, playing 22 cards is just wrong. It's, I was just gonna <laughs> ask you that. It's it's objectively incorrect. Okay. Now, what, how do you feel about how do you respond to the argument of well if I'm playing I'm playing 22 cards but I have duel of wits and improvisation I mean that's cool until you discard a bunch of upgrades and draw more upgrades you can't play mm. Um, mm. like I I like duel of wits I played it at Du Bois but a lot of times you would play it and then draw two upgrades which you couldn't really use or yeah, get the cards you were looking for so you're Really, and if it doesn't draw two, it draws one, right? It just replaces, it replaces it. Yeah, it replaces, so, replaces yeah. one. Yeah, and that's why I like improvisation better. And I do kind of like improv- Duel of Wits, though, for the uh, uh, Thorns objective that lets you, or if you do a reaction. Yep. I, I was already playing, like, four reactions, so I wasn't too worried about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, that was the reason I was playing it at the boys, was just because it, there was just not, not really a lot of reactions that I wanted to play at the time, but now uh, there are more. Hmm. The cool. the only uh, deck milling card that I used to play in the Magor's deck was uh, to the Victor the Spoils, which I thought was pretty great because it would um, it, it would replace one card and then you get two extras and you had to kill something, which is like something you're going to kind of do anyway. That's a Magor's uh, card. It's a Magor specific. Okay, and it's a reaction when you kill someone, you draw two cards. When you kill somebody, you draw three cards. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good, um, but alas faction specific uh what else we got here we have well, we got some interesting upgrades. uh everything else here looks yeah i mean we spoil the battle i guess so lightning assault's always good commanding stride is is pretty good um but then the upgrades here we go cursed artifact dean how do you feel about that one there's Man, a plus I... one defense minus one wound upgrade yeah um seems, that seems like it would be good it's not for i mean it's, it's not a terrible card i just find it i just i don't know how it's like not one of the ones you cut yeah that's that's exactly where i'm at is that's very clearly just chaff you can cut that and you you probably wouldn't even notice it was gone especially in this warband where uh you know you're going from one defense die to two defense die it's good but if once you get hit you die 
so much mm. more often now. All right, let's see what else we got in here. Right, because Hero. you have three health now, you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Hero's mantle. Right. Now what this one is an, not does. restricted. It's not right. It's not restricted. And it acts like slumbering key, which is fine, but, but it has to be only. on your leader. And people are gonna go after Storm Daddy. Uh, I mean, do they? Is that a thing that actually happens? Because it seems like oh, he... I, th I, I mean, if you're gonna kill, if you, if you, if you have to target any one guy, like Storm Daddy's the guy. He is the he's, strongest he's of the guys. He's the, strong, he's the strongest, and he has the same. I mean, he especially if he's not, um, especially if he's not um, inspired yet. Um, even if he is inspired, I might go after him because he's just he's uh, most of the power and all the range. Dean, would you consider replacing the slumbering key? With this card in your deck, if you wanted another restricted card, or or no? No, I just play a different uh, upgrade. Okay, just something. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would put this in either. All right. Um. Yeah, because if Storm Daddy dies, it's like a dead card. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Lightning Whip, fine. Tempest Might, of course. Bag of Tricks. I mean, here's the problem with Bag of Tricks. What are you going to search for that you would put a charge token on one of three models? Yeah, it's this is not the warband for Bag of Tricks, and it seems like he's just trying to mitigate the fact that he's playing 22 cards. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. You could just put less cards in there. You think so? Okay. Yeah, but but yeah, and yet he came in second. Yeah. She? Actually, we don't know. Um, all right, so Glory Seeker, fine. Great Fortitude, Great Strength, fine. Potion of Raid, fine. Tome of Offerings, Tome of Vitality. The rest of it makes sense to, to, to me as far as I'm concerned. So it's really just like about three or four cards, and of course, just two, uh, just... 22 power cards is just asking for trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You, you pretty much see your entire deck every game. Um, if you're really looking to between just playing the cards and uh, drawing some during the game. So I don't know. Uh, on the other hand, second place. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I... Well, Storm Sire are very, you know, just on paper, very good faction. Oh yeah, definitely. The stats yeah. and everything. So yeah, there, there's a reason they they win a lot. All right, um, and now we move on to the winner of Kingdom Con, and I think that this is the first time I've seen a Goblins deck win a major tournament. Am I wrong about that? I, I believe don't think I so. believe that's correct. That's the first time I've seen it. Or was there one in Russia, or maybe Stormsire won that one too? I don't know. We'd have to go check have through. To, that was a couple of months anyway, ago. Here's what we got. So we have goblins coming in. We have escalation. Fine. Master of war. Fine. Um, only way out makes a lot of sense because you got a lot of models and they might be standing on things. Do they have, and they have uh, supremacy, but those are the only two objectives st standing on objectives cards. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. We have ploy master. What's that? Other than all five. Keys. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get to the upgrades yet. Yes. All the keys are there. That is true. All right. Uh, Ploy master, uh, superior tactician, shining example, uh, mad scurry, obliterated, fired up, keep them guessing, martyred and supremacy. All right. So that seems pretty good. Looks like standing on objectives is a thing to do. Um, here are the, oh man, 11 gambits. Look at that. Yep. Look at these people. What are they doing out there? <laughs> what, is, what is going on in California? Uh, let's see. Here's what we got. Um, this, although the stuff that we got here, some of it makes a lot of sense. Um, cruel taunt. 
Um, yeah, this I, is one we don't see a lot. This is also anti-Molog's tech. That's anti-Molog. Yeah. If you can uninspire Molog, but it also works on Magor. It also works on Gerzag. It also works on you know Storm Daddy. There's a lot of things that if you can uninspire them, it's like a big deal. I think the the problem with this is the uh, the it's the dice roll, and it's right. kind of the weakest of the dice roll one. It just uninspires them. Like the other ones are like Frozen in Time. That just I mean, it's a him for big deal against. Turn. Yeah, it's a yeah. big deal against Molo. And then though. transfixing. Oh no, what's the other uh, rebound? Got, just uh, kills rebound. him. Yeah, is he? Have, then, yeah, he's got rebound and frozen in time. Right. So those have kind of a bigger payoff for yeah, the dice lot, roll. A lot of anti monologue tech there. And then you can go the other route. You can go transfixing stare, which you know is less powerful than all three, but doesn't have a dice roll involved. Sure. That just uh, makes it so he can't move again, which can be extremely helpful. Mm. You also have to be within striking distance of him, though. Yeah. All right, let's see what else we got. We got, uh, oh, and there's Forceful Denial, another dice roll. Mm -hmm. um, distraction, Hidden Paths, of course. Uh, invisible Walls. You like love, invisible, love walls, invisible right? Walls. Yeah? Mm -hmm. It only works for the next activation, though. Yeah. Just you can do it in the fourth activation. Yeah, that's true. You, you can, can do, do it when you're trying to set, yeah, set up for an objective. All right. If, if you have a guy in an objective and your opponent knows that you're going for supremacy or you put the dazzling key on him or whatever and you play invisible walls and he can't get to you, it's pretty important. That's not bad. All right, all right. Sneaky step? What is this? It's just distraction. Oh, it's for, just distraction. For goblins. Okay, gotcha. Um, oh, no, center... it's a sidestep. Sidestep side for goblins. And yeah. then it's, Choose um... your own guy. Yeah, and then we have center of attention and irresistible pride. Yeah, both of those. They, they vacuum uh, things into certain hexes. So um, either a particular center of attention does do a particular fighter and irresistible prize does it to a particular objective. Yeah, this is cool with goblins because uh, for Snurk mm -hmm. and also for setting up a mad scurry, setting up a bunch of... Uh, Oh yeah, scurries all in one turn. You can vacuum them all into one space or around one guy. And then, and then also with with Snurk, it it makes it, it almost guarantees that he does like a ton of damage if you can bring like two people in close to him before you uh do his action. Oh man, Snurk is Snurk. Is He's terrible. scary. He's scary. Yeah, yeah. You thought you all were right. tough, and no, then that I... giant bowling ball comes flying at you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just dead with a drunk goblin on top. Yeah. Of <laughs> hey guys, look what I got. Like I'm a brave warrior. Hey, I got a bowling ball. Hey, chain. I'm Randall, drunk as hell. Randall, hold on a second. I got a bowling ball. It's attached to my leg. Yeah. I would have swung it around. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um. Anyway, so then we go to the upgrades, and here's where we see. There's one thing on this I don't get, but the rest of it I kind of get. So we have acrobatic, deathly fortitude. Skip a bit. Soul Trap. Then, we, of course, we have the keys blazing. Soul Trap. Soul, well, Soul Trap, I can understand. Maybe you put it on Snurk, right. you know, because he's probably doing all your damage. Um, blazing Key, Dazzling Key, Fractured Key, Hallowed Key, Shadowed Key. So those are, of course, all the keys are two if you're standing on a particular objective. Fainway Crystal gets you onto the objective. Tome of Glories, you're already standing on objective. Why not have a glory? Mm -hmm. um, so that's fine. Um, Shade Glass Axe. What do you yeah. think about that one, Dean? Uh, I would cut it. it. I would cut it, and I would cut one of the gambits and just play ten ten. Uh, for sure. Yep. 
but you can easily see why this deck won. Uh, oh yeah, this is this is. You're loving like, this. This is objectives. This doubles down, man. This is all objectives, and it doubles down on everything. Well, not even that. Um, just look at the total glory that this ha deck has compared to the other two decks we're looking at. This has. Oh, oh this yeah, twenty-one. Yeah, twenty-one glory just from objectives, just objectives and then all those keys. Yeah, has all the keys plus the fane or the tomal glories as well. Mm -hmm. So you're, I could you could easily see this deck very consistently bringing home twenty glory without really doing anything too crazy. So even if they get completely wiped out, you got one goblin standing on the field with a blazing key. That's good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, they got 15 in the one Curse Breakers deck, 16 total in the other Curse Breakers deck, out, excluding Tome of Glories, of course, where you can get a little bit extra. But uh, you're not going to score all of those, so it just has a huge advantage on glory potential. And you can see that that's probably why this deck won with all of the counter spells that it's playing. With your Cruel Taunts, your Forceful Denials, your Frozen in Times, your Rebounds. You're yeah, just playing a, yeah. a lot of 50-50s to stop what your opponent is doing. And if you get a couple of them and you're standing on the objectives randomly, you just win. That's exact. You can, like I said, you can definitely see what this deck is doing, and it's pretty well put together to do it. I I would just cut Shade Glass Axe, and I'd probably cut, you know, uh, I hate rebound, so I'd probably cut rebound. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't like rebound either. It's it's one one third chance isn't good enough for me. No, and people will often say, well, it comes up if you if you get it in one third of your games, that's you know one of your games in a match, and well. You don't draw it in one third of your games first, or every right. game. So yeah. statistics are down there, and then you don't often get the attack you want it for sometimes. And That's like, true. so it it's much much worse than just okay, I got it in one by three games, and I won that game as a result of it. It's it's not that good. Yeah, especially over a long day worth of tournament play. Right. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, all right, so there you go, Kingdom Con. Congratulations to whoever is who won this with this goblin deck and Dean Bill says you did a good job. So you done good. Um, congrats. All right. Do you, think so the, do you think that this is like a way that the, the meta will start shifting to if, if the scoring system stays the same? Might no, no. Okay. I, I don't particularly think so. Um, you need a, a lot of this deck is built around hitting your cards and hitting them at, at least average or above average uh, on dice rolls. If if you don't hit, if you even hit below average on some of these gambits, your deck is not doing a lot, unfortunately. And hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see that it did well. But uh, yeah, there's just there's not a lot of upfront glory gain, unfortunately. Right. I yeah I understand what you're saying. So I I don't know it it is cool to see goblins getting a a grand clash win though. Oh they were yeah, like kind of edging up there at, at almost every major tournament. You'd always see goblins in like fifth or sixth place or something like that. Stephen Van did it. Yeah, Helms. Yeah, it's a very very cool war balance band. It's got a very cool theme. It's got a cool glory mechanic. It's got a lot of like it's really thematic and fun to play. And this is a very very neat cool build to do. Um, but I don't see the meta shifting to it because there's a lot of things you can do to just straight up counter everything that this deck is doing, like the Earthquake and uh, other thing. Seems like it's very well set up against this to just play Earthquake in any turn. Oh, but he's going to always have Forceful Denial in his hand and always right. roll a hammer yep. or crit on it. So yep, there it is. Good luck. I mean, especially against <laughs> us. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so there you go. All right. So are you guys excited for these Wood Elves and these Boomstick Dwarves? I'm super excited. 
I'm pumped. I'm picking them up on Saturday, man. You're loving the Wood Elves. I'm going to do the Wood Elves. And I liked Wood Elves too, but I will play the Gun Dwarves. Yeah. Because I know that a lot of well, I did call dibs. to see that. I called dibs. Oh, right. Okay. And um, I respected it, of course. Of course. <laughs> no backsies. Um, and uh, we will do uh, reviews of both of those uh, war bands and the faction cards in the future. Um, we just want to get a few games under our belt so that we know what we're talking about first. But um, but what we can talk about today are the universal cards that are coming out. Uh, what maybe uh, is looking good or looking good for particular war bands. And so we picked a few universals that we thought were decent or good. And then we thought that they would be interesting. And we'll, we'll chat about them kind of briefly now. Uh, we'll start with the, as per usual, we'll start with um, the... Uh, objectives and then we'll do the gambits and then we'll do the um the upgrades and these are from both we these are mixed up from both of the two expansions so it's we're not doing one and then the other they're just coming out in the next two expansions and we'll try to try to remind you of which one they, they're coming in when we mention them are you guys ready to go on this anything yeah. you want to say before we get started no let's go all right, let's go. Okay, so the first one we liked was one called Building Momentum. This is a universal objective that is coming in the uh, what Cadron Overlords. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Caradron Overlords. Caradron Overlords. Profiteers. All right, in the probably be called board. Dwarves, Gun Dwarves, or Profiteers. Probably what people All are right. going to call them. And this is or Scorpions. KO. Some people call them KO. KO. Right. Yeah, that's not bad. I like boomstick dwarfs mm -hmm. and treeple treeple. <laughs> I've okay. seen people calling them treeple and I'm like, <laughs> I'm tipping my cap. You can't see it, but I'm tipping my cap. No. Okay. All right. Okay. Building momentum treeple. All right. Building momentum. Uh, score this in an end phase. If you have scored at least two other objective cards in this phase, how, how now I can see that I, I don't have the, the picture, so I don't know how many um, glory that is. Is it one or two? One. It's one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this because this phase would be the end phase, right? You'd have to score the other two objectives in your hand. Yes. No, she's, she's but there are a lot of people oh. that play decks with a lot of score immediately cards in them. Well, score melees wouldn't matter, right? Yeah, I don't think score it has to be in the work. end phase, not during the action phase. Right, 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 right. So I'm not sure how I feel about this. For like for two glory, I'd be kind of in on it, but for for only one, one that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough sell because uh, you score Master of War and uh, Escalation, you get you get an extra one. No, yeah, that's exactly what it would have. Like you just need to score both of the other objectives in your hand to right. get this. So it could be good. It definitely be good. Like it, there's a lot of cards that definitely allow you to do this, especially if you're chaining a lot of score immediately. They do inadvertently lend itself to this card. Mm-hmm. Because you get to chain through those and hopefully draw into your end phase ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting objective. I think this you might see this one as yep, opposed I to some other Randall. Yeah, you would definitely see it if there was two. If it was head two glory for sure. Mm -hmm. That one, it's a little bit more specious, but you could definitely see it see it working, especially uh, in some Molog deck that's just looking to just tack on some glory without actually having to do anything. Well, give me a minute. I have to look up specious. <laughs> I know what that means for sure. Superficially plausible, but actually wrong. Oh, oh I like that. It's a great word. That is a. And it's fun to say. Yeah. Wow. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put that down. You're on gonna bookmark that one. Okay. That's the word of the day. Toilet paper, right there. <laughs> is that where you got right. that from, Dean? <laughs> no. Right, I think okay. So if I go in your bathroom right now and I look at the toilet paper, 
it's it's two ply. That's about okay. the only thing. All right. So, <laughs> interesting. Rand, Randall, I think Dean is just like educated or something. Okay. No, that moving on. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, okay. I mean, he is from Rochester. Oh, right. Um, right. Okay. Uh, death from afar. Uh, this is a one glory. Yep. Comes immediately the, for one. Comes in the uh the over the the boomstick dwarves uh one. Score this immediately if a friendly fighter takes out an enemy fighter out of action while at least three hexes from that fighter. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, a lot more okay. range attacks in the game now. Yeah. yeah. Stormsire gets up there with his. Yeah. Forget Storm Daddy. What Jigathra. about what about Jagathra? Toss yeah. in a javelin like she's in the Olympics. That's plus one damage. Getting through your Sorry. head. Score this immediately. That is correct. Right. And sorcelled. Pretty much an auto include for. The I Godsworn think if you're playing Godsworn, it's like, well, they got Allo too. Yeah. Right, that he kills guys. Right. <laughs> uh, Farce Riders? Sure. Yeah. I think there's a lot of good stuff for Farce Riders coming up. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I think I you'll think see it, this one a lot in. I think Storm you'll Cyrus. see this. Yeah. Specific warbands will definitely auto include this. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. If, if you have something that reliably kills something from range, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Score immediately, which yes. everyone loves. Dean loves oh, those. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's modern society. We want everything right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, exactly. Lethal repertoire. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, how many how many glories? This I can't see. One, one. Score this in an end phase. This comes in the uh, the triples. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, the guardi Yathari guardians. How do you say it? Yep. I, I did. I said it right. I think so. Oh, sweet. Um, score this in an end phase, Dean. If you haven't noticed, I don't know anything about the lore. I keep telling everybody this. Like I know I know nothing about it. This is the first. Yeah. This is the first GW game I've ever played in my life. So well, I, I'm surprised that there are novels about this. The good news is you're only a few years behind anybody because Sigmar is about that old anyway. Oh, okay. I feel bad then. All right. So score this in an end phase. If a friendly fighter made an attack action in the preceding action phase, printed on an upgrade that you're... What? This is... Wait, hold on. This can't be grammatically correct. You play in the same phase. Up? That you well, oh that yeah, you played in just, the same phase. Sorry, they put an R in this just a typo. Yeah. Score this in an end phase if a friendly fighter made an attack action in the preceding action phase printed on an upgrade that you that you played in the same phase. So what does this mean? You put on like nullstone hammer and then you use it. Yep, that's it. And then you score this. Yeah. Cool. As well, long you as just you just have to have made the attack, you don't have to succeed. So if yep. you use like dark darts, D yeah, dark and darts, you and you shoot the dark darts, yeah, at another guy, and you completely miss. You can completely miss. It yeah. doesn't you say it has to land. Repertoire. Cool. I don't know. It's not that good, but I don't know if you're if you're playing with a lot of uh, if you're playing with those in it. Yeah, this might be yeah. good in uh, Skaven because they like to play a lot mm, of the attack action upgrades because they yeah. the guys come back. And well, right. and the other thing is, don't forget, like a lot of those, um, a lot of those uh, upgrade. You know, weapons like shade glass dagger, like shade glass axe, like a lot, some of the nullstone stuff um, is actually a stronger attack than what they have, um, you know, natively. Right. So, um, so people do use those in in Skaven and sometimes chain rasps if you're playing aggro. Um, so I, I can see this if you're doing that. Hmm. Yeah, not a not a super amazing one, but it'd be better uh, if it was a immediately decent one. Yeah, if it was immediate, that would be really good. Yeah. All right, next one. 
Also in the triple, the Yuthari Guardians, we have one called Magical Storm. Score this in an end phase if your warband successfully cast four or more spells in the preceding action phase. How many glories? This better be two. Is it two? Uh, it's two, yeah. Oh, good. All right. So, so what warband is gonna is going to cast that many spells? I mean, probably just Stormbreaker, right? Storm, Storm Stormbreaker, sure. Thunderbuddy. What yeah, and they already run the one for magical right. supremacy is two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, two, and then if you were one, yeah, definitely run that. So this and is it, just four for two. But I mean, are you more likely to do four? Like, is that a thing that's going to happen? No, I think you'd have to be set up to try to get this. Um, but you could do it, and they have just intrinsic spells that if you were just trying to get this, like yeah, if you're empowering and you shoot with the fulmination, do they have to land? No, they, do. Yep, they have to successfully land. Cast. They have to be successfully yep. cast. So they have to land. That makes it a little more difficult. Um, or if you're a crazy person and feel like doing a oops all spells deck. Well, well, hold on a second though. I mean, you know, they've they've put a lot of you know design space into into magic, and I don't feel like they've gone all the way with it yet. I mean, we may find this in the future a little bit more. And I know we've been saying this, like we're waiting. GW, come on! Like if you're going to make magic a thing, let's go. Um, yeah, it's it, like. It's like fetch, you know, you're really trying to make it a thing. Mm. Um, but uh, but I can see that if they actually do start to make, you know, sufficient amounts of spell gambits that are worth it, I can see maybe using this. Yeah, it's a tough design space because you don't want to have your universal spells be overly too good because then they'll just show up only in the decks that can play them. Mm. But I have no problem with faction specific cards being a little over the top. But mm. you have like castable sidestep or something that's just not interesting. Yep. Just you. Well, sidestep. there are and there are one or two good spells in these two packs that you may see. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's so see what might, else. Oh, this then... might be a, a thing that comes up. All right, Dean, you ready for this? This one, I think, is you. Yeah. You yeah. Ready? Tactical supremacy two five. Great. It's not two through five. It's two and five. Two and five. Right. Yeah. Or two yep. glory. Yep. Uh. It just goes along with the 1, 4, 1, 2, and 3, 4. And what it allows you to do is just not have your opponent know exactly what you're playing. So previously, you're playing 1, 2, 3, 4, and 1, 4. And everyone knows that's what you're playing, so they know which objectives you care about. You throw this one in the mix, you drop one of the other ones out, and suddenly you're a little bit less predictable. They don't know exactly which keys you're using. Mm -hmm. uh, makes Abysoth's uh, unmaking a little bit worse. Okay, so you wouldn't add this in as a fourth one. You would you would substitute one so that it kept it like balanced and just like a little bit more cagey. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't think you want a fourth uh, tactical supremacy. Um, you really want to try to focus on some. You don't want to be focusing on all the objectives. You want to kind of pick which objectives you care about. That way, uh, you're not all over the board. You kind of know what your game plan is as soon as you see the board set up and the objective set up. All right. So you are not going to put this in your deck. You're saying. No, I'm, I might I might replace, uh, let's say, 3-4 uh, or something with this. And throw this one in and then concentrate on, on 2 and 1. Exactly. So exactly. then you, you would take the the key out for 4? And put key, in, key 2 in. Key 2, okay. Yep. So you're just moving it around. That way uh, you just have a little more play. I would like to see them print 3-5, for instance. I think that would complete the cycle because then you have, you know, Two that care about two, two that care about three, two that care about four, two that care about one, and two that care about five. Okay, so you're yeah. so it, with the deck how it stands now, your deck. 
you are not going to add just to keep it the same, but add uh this one and the the two key. Yep, add add this one, add the two key, take the four key and uh three four out. Okay, so you're but I'm just saying you're not gonna drop like uh you know, just for example, keep them guessing, for example, and add in three five and then drop Fainway Crystal, for example, and then add in Nope, nope. Okay, we'll you're not going to do that. that. Okay. Listen, if you're listening at home, this is important. Dean is going to drop one, what, which one? One, four? Two, four. Uh, three, four. He's going to drop three, four. He's going to put in two, five. Or yeah. is he? So when you're playing oh, you again. No, no, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when you look at Dean's deck in the next tournament he's going to go to, you don't know which keys he's going to have. Yep, and that's exactly why I like this card, is it just makes it a little bit harder to play against you um, in the first game. All right. And you can, you might just change him up every, you know, every tournament. You could. You you well, could. Uh, yeah, and, and the fact that you won, I think people are, like, know this now. Yep. Like, and this, and there were there were actually a couple, there was another guy's deck that was, that was doing the same thing, the Dazzling Hollowed Key. So now, you know, when you go to a tournament, people who are, you know, smart and pay attention to decks aren't going to be like, okay, he's playing this. I have to get him off. At least I have to get him off two and four. Right. And then now you can, now you, you've you changed your deck a little bit. So now you can work for uh, some other number. Yep. All right. We cool. got it. All right. Oh, it was one and four before. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that one comes in the Boomstick Dwarf, uh, the... The Cadron Overlords one. Mm -hmm. All right, ready to move on to gambits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so here's one we found a little interesting. Um, this one is called Aether Flux or Aether Flux. Mm -hmm. This comes in the Cadron Overlords one. I stopped saying Boomstick Dwarves because it's not what it's called. Yep. I'm trying to make that a thing. Um, this is a ploy, and it says until the next power step, spells that would require channels instead require foci and vice versa. Yeah, it's so, an interesting card. For this is when, interesting. Yeah. If you're shooting with Vortimus or if you're shooting with Stormsire, you can use this to up your accuracy. Right. Yep. Or you can take any spells like Gambit spells you have in your hand that require two focus mm -hmm. and change it to two. Change it to channels. Channel, which is much easier. Yeah. Right. Inter interesting card. Not super game breaking, but pretty cool. No, I can see it. Being used by certain people with certain other in combination with other things. I, I just like it for the uh, to make the shooting more accurate. Because when I'm playing Curse Breakers, I that's my biggest like bugaboo is that I'm always like, oh man, I got to throw two magic dice for this fulmination. It's like it's not going to work. Watch what happens, and it's like two channels. Yeah, and it's until the next power step too. So you can do a gambit spell and yep. attack. Um, but it and also counts for your opponent as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you can also get like a you can do get a my turn in there, whatever else, a ready for action, things like that. Oh, you can all stack those in as well. Yeah, nice combo mm, there. Mm. Get like two extra. You can yeah, do a gambit bracket, spell and yeah. then like two attacks with the increased accuracy. I like right. that. I like that. Yeah, I'd like to see a a reaction or something. Play this after your opponent uh, announces a spell make it only successful on crits or swap what the success point is, something like mm. that. Oh, like a, cool. a counter spells. That'd be kind of interesting to see. Right. All right. That's that for you. All right. Let's see what else we got. Um, we have, what is this one? Oh, I thought these were in alphabetical order. What happened here? 
Oh, these are, oh, no, no, no. These, these are the upgrades. Those are the upgrades. Sorry, sorry. Moving down, moving down. Uh, next one, next page. Let's go. Okay, I'm just flipping through my thing over here, and I'm not screwing up on the, on, on the air. Okay, we're good. All right. It's called Shifting Reflection. It's a ploy. No, you could have done that like three seconds. Come on, man. It says, right. choose a friendly fighter and an, and an enemy fighter that are both holding an objective. Switch those fighters' positions. Interesting. What, what do you think about that, Dean? Because you're the objective player here. Um, until they make objectives worth standing on for all players, I don't think this will see play, unfortunately. Because like I said, a lot of people just avoid standing on them just so you can't get confused priorities or uh, things like that. The only reason people stand on objectives is to stop Fainway Crystal. That's mm. about it. Yeah, that does happen. I mean, sometimes one thing that I was doing when I was playing Mologs is that I would put um, the... The stalax wig down on um on one of the objectives in my own zone just to like kind of gum up their faneway move yep yep the only thing i, I like about stalax work there is uh he doesn't actually count as holding it so you can still get the score as nagash commands it's pretty mm. oh yeah that's true <laughs> that's true so uh, what, okay. what about if, if you know let's say you're playing against somebody else who's focusing on objectives um, it, I can't imagine it, that happens that often. It, it doesn't happen that often, but it can be cool to just because you then you get the objective you want. So like mm -hmm. if you're you need objective four, need objective two, whatever the case may be, you can swap yourself cool. onto it, and uh, then you could you don't really care about them being in your base, and you you're not really going to attack them for the most part unless it's just you have an extra activation, you're not too worried about it. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay. I thought that was a pretty cool card though. Just. I think no, that was a very explosive effect, just swapping guys potentially across the board. Yeah, it can be very, very strong as well. Like, if they're just trying to stop a feign way and you swap them right to where they don't want to be, like, now they have done the opposite of counter feign way. They played right into whatever you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. All, right, All right, next ready, one. Ready to go to the next one? All right, uh, here's a... Oh, okay. This seems to be a Thunder Buddy Express right here. Um, this is called Sphere of Akshai. Did I say that right? Akshi. Akshi? You didn't say it wrong, so... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if there is a way to say it wrong. <laughs> All right, so this is a Gambit spell. It's a single channel. So again, like, you know, Thunder Buddies love single channels because they get inspired off of that. But this one, uh, if this spell is cast, choose an enemy fighter within four hexes of the caster. And that fighter suffers a damage. So it's like kind of like Raptor Strike, but for Curse Breakers. Well, for any wizard. Or for, any, for any wizard. But yeah. I mean, I think it's particularly strong in, in Curse Breakers. Right. Because it, it's particularly strong in that Warband because it's it's never going to be a dead card in your hand until you're completely wiped out. Whereas with other Warbands like, uh, you know, Zarbag That's or Briar Queen or whatever, yeah. they only have one wizard if, if, if they go down early you draw this card it just doesn't do anything yeah I, I like this from a design perspective especially just because um it doesn't creep on raptor strike it's obviously objectively worse than raptor strike mm -hmm. while still being very good and doing something that uh, you want to be doing so that's a good point nice job for gw not like just make invalidating a card with tome of offerings or whatever all right they, so they they did good on a card they did good yep you did good. My boy's done grown up. Okay. Next one to do is one called Stand and Shoot. 
um, which is a ploy. It comes in the Cadron Overlords. Am I saying that right again? I forgot. It's Cadron? 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 I always heard of Cateron, but uh, what? your mileage may vary. I don't know. I say maybe. We're going to say KO from now on. KO. <laughs> the gun dwarves. Mm-hmm. Boomstick dwarves. All right, stand and shoot. Here we go. It's a reaction. Uh, play this after an enemy fighter's move action that is part of a charge action. So this sounds to me like it's between the move and the attack. attack. Yeah. Exactly, yep. Choose a friendly fighter that is adjacent to them. Okay, so this doesn't work if they're charging to range two or three. Correct. Okay. Um, make an attack action with this, that fighter that has a range of three or more. It must target the enemy fighter, and that fighter cannot be driven back by this action. So basically, if somebody um, charges to range one at your far strider, you can shoot him in the face once before he's able to shoot you, but you can't push him back. Yep. Yeah. So you can't trap him, can't pit trap him. Correct. But you do get a shot. So if, yeah. they, if they're charging in with one left and you want to shoot yeah, him in the face, you could just fight, kill him. Might just kill him. Okay. Um, or you could but, do that. You could play this and aggressive defense, maybe in the same. Yeah, you probably could. Um, yeah, it's a different timing. You could. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can't do this, however, if Molog or Briar Queen or um, any sort of ranged attack comes at you right. and you're standing in the proper place. Yeah. The other interesting thing about this is that, you know, later on, we're going to get to some other cards that kind of combo with this. Yeah, we'll talk about them when we get yeah. to it. There have been and some people talking about... Yeah, they will combo. allow you to, you know, after you right, make don't, that don't, attack... Don't bury the lead, man. Don't bury oh, the lead. Oh, all right, okay, whatever. We'll get, we'll get to it. Keep we'll going. To it. Yeah, come on, man. All right, so we're going to go to this one, Strategic Sorcery. Uh-oh. Gambit's Spell, Two Foci. Wait, why are we so, talking about this one? I don't know. You put it down. I didn't put this on there. Did I put this one down? I don't know. Let's read it. Let's see if it's any good. This is in the Yothari Guardians. Uh, if this spell is cast, choose one objective card from your objective discard pile and add it to your hand. Then discard an objective if you have more than three in your hand. Hard to cast, but obviously very good. Very good if you can cast it. I agree. Um, maybe if you have Aether Flux, be a little right. bit easier. Yep. All right. Um, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's it's a tough one just because it's so hard to cast. But this is the only card like that we've we haven't seen any other card that lets you get an objective back in play. It's objectively difficult. And a lot of those object, you know, the <laughs> objectives are how you win the game, and it could be the difference if you, you know, for the I tiebreaker mean, in the grand clash if you're able to score supremacy twice in one round, you know. Or even, um, uh, no, because it would have to be. If it's well, you know, yeah, in the next round. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you get in the next round yeah. if you can hold it or, or escalation twice. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, the problem here is is just the casting cost. Mm-hmm. It's very high. You'd have to find ways to mitigate that. But it yep. is a very strong effect. But now we do have, we have that Aether one. And yep. then we also Aether have the one where when you're inspired, you get an extra dice. When you do a spell, so which one is that coming up? Is yeah, that an there, there are ways. Upgrade, rather, there are ways that you could get this off. So look, look for this one. Might might right. might show up. Um, yeah. yes, Dean. I, I, anything you want to say about any of those guys? 
No, I I think we touched it all. It's just it's it's tough to cast intrinsically with everyone only being a level two caster. Yeah, but definitely worth the payoff in a lot of cases. What 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 what's the thing on that? So if you have two foci but crits count, it's like the chances of of rolling two things that count as foci would be like what twenty five percent. It's exactly twenty five percent. Yeah. Okay. So, but if you change it to channels, it's fifty percent. Uh, like very that? close. Yeah, very close to that. Cause you're looking at sixty six and sixty six or whatever. Right. Okay, it's it's like what, like fifty three percent or something like that. Yeah, that it, it's in that range for sure. Yeah. What if you okay. had three dice? Well, <laughs> hold on. Let me get, let me get warband that. odds out. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mathematician. Damn it, Jim. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Wait, does it? Oh, does it have? Does Warband odds have the magic dice or no? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to check that. Blessing. Enough. Uh, Next, going on to the upgrades. Here we go. Blessing of Hydragos. I like that name. Um, This is another one of those blessings. And uh, this is uh, in the Boomstick Dwarves. And what happened there? I just moved it. Oh man, because I am such an expert. Well, Blessing of Hydragos is an upgrade, Thanks, and it says reaction. After this fighter's attack action that succeeds, push this fighter up to two hexes. Man, if you're Molog. Yeah, that so that'll let you great. close the distance if you play Molog. That sounds great. Isn't there, isn't this a, there's already a card that does this, right? But only push one hex after succeeding? I believe it's a Skaven only card. I feel like it came in Skaven, but uh, yeah, you might be right. But either way, it's like a strict upgrade for that. So yeah, two is good. Yeah, you get to go two instead That's of one. Far. And yeah. don't forget, and he, and he hits at a two range, so it makes you get a th- you you can actually make up three hexes without doing anything. Right. Well, all you have to do is land an attack, which Molag does all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, you throw in haymaker, you throw in uh, you know potion of rage, like you're going to land stuff. And um, and if he's going to be your only like you know big power hitter, you need to move him around the board quite a bit. How do you feel about this one in Thorns of the Briar Queen, Dean? You don't really do a lot of attacking, especially in this meta, um, just because there's so much downside. They have my turn or aggressive defense, and it's just the saddest day. Mm-hmm. The the only other thing that I, th- I think about this is that, um, you know, and I also wouldn't use it in decks like Magors where you do a charge unless you're also playing with, like, Second Wind or Ready for Action and you have it in your hand. Um be- but, um, you know, like if you're using something that like shoots from distance, so Storm Sire, um, you know, Vortimus maybe, um, although you're not really going to be attacking. Well, yeah, you could you could uh, potentially hit them from three away, push them yeah, back one push, and then or, and or then push, push yourself to yeah. yeah, I mean, it, there's I can I can see this being useful. Yeah, you could also, yeah, push push yourself. You could shoot them and then. Um, not push them and then push yourself closer to them and then play my turn or ready for action or something like that. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, also in the Boomstick Dwarves, we have a uh, an upgrade called Crown of Avarice, mm-hmm. which is a reaction. During an attack action or gambit that will take this fighter out of action, choose an opponent and just jack one of their unspent bl- glory points. Excuse me. I, I, I drink your milkshake. Yeah. Dean, what do you think about that one? It seems like martyred, but with a little more effort. Martyred no, but, to buy. 
right? That's true. But isn't it better though? Because it's really a two glory swing because you're taking one away from them and gaining one yourself. Yeah. But they get right? one from killing you. Yeah, uh, but... that's true. It's unspent. Yeah, it's uh But how do you feel about would you would you consider putting this on let's say you have a guy in an objective, would you consider putting this on him just to make it so your opponent like doesn't want to attack them? That seems like you're up your alley. It's definitely got a psychological effect of your they just don't want to kill it now. Mm-hmm. Because the glory swing is now in your favor rather than being straight even as opposed to oh, Mark. You wouldn't be able to sorry, hold on, can I just backtrack? You would not be able to steal the glory they got for killing that guy because it's Correct. during the attack yeah, action, yeah. not afterwards. Yep. Okay. That's that's and, probably good that they caught that right, action. And they still get a glory from killing you, even Yes. Yeah. So they have to have an unspent glory for this reaction to do anything mm-hmm. to yeah. begin with. That's the biggest restriction on it. Yep. And even so, if they have one, then they might say, Oh well, I'm just gonna throw this upgrade out. Yep. And, and then do the attack. Yeah. And then do the attack. Yeah. Right. So it's got a, a weird place where it seems like it'd be very good in like turn three just to keep your opponent from swinging, especially if the game is close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. It's interesting. Definitely cool. interesting. All right. Let's truck along though. Uh, next one coming from the Yotheri Guardians um, expansion. We have this one. Randall loves this one. Faded Blade, which is a it, it's an it's a weapon upgrade. One range, two hammers, which is better than a lot of, you know, better than a lot of uh, angle bros. Like bros have anyway. And then it says like damage. We don't know. Mm-hmm. The, the damage is determined by a die roll. You can roll five attack dice. And each time this a- action succeeds, the damage is characteristic is equal to the number of hammer and crits rolled. Mm. This is the high so- rollers card. Yeah, it averages two and a half, so you're looking at a one-two-two attack for the at worst. At most worst. of the time, and it could be one-two-five. One, it could be one-two-zero. Yep, a successful zero attack. Yeah, that would be an unsuccessful attack, and I guess you could try to try again with any of the reaction cards that let you do it. Yeah, would that would that be considered um, an unsuccessful attack in that case? An attack that does zero yeah, damage. You got to do damage. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Even if even if you pass on the die roll, that's correct. I would have to look in the rule book. I I, I believe you. Um. All right. So, but but still, but it could do five. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's definitely better than most uh, models' generic attack. A one, two, two and a half, sometimes two, sometimes three is better than what most models have. So it's very good and has a very high upside as well. And let's just talk about how it would be super exciting to just play with it. <laughs> Yeah, just throw rebound on your deck. It's super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> it is. Only this would happen over and over again. Put this on Molly. Yeah, I like this in Skaven a lot, this one. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't, for, don't put it on Molly. Because it severely upgrades your attack. On, yeah. And yep. then even if that guy dies, you bring it him could, back. It, it could certainly one-shot things. Yeah. It's not when bad. When your little dumb Skaven comes up, rolls five damage on you know, one of your guys, you're going to be you're gonna be pissed. Oop. Or All even right. just three. If he gets three, I'd be happy with that. Three I'd damage on a little stupid Skaven. Yeah. 
All right, uh, next one, Nullstone Arrows. I'm, I haven't been super happy with the Nullstone stuff, but this one's uh, just for range alone is really great. This comes in the Yothari Guardians uh, expansion, and this is a four-range, two-hammer attack. It only does one damage. Um, you do get a reroll if you're attacking against a wizard, so bonus in that particular case. But four-range, two-hammer shot. Yeah. That anyone can get. Pretty good. And anybody can take it. Mm -hmm. I don't know who wants it. That's the only question I have is who you who you giving it to? Like the bad guy in your warband, just let him do this and finish guys off. Uh yeah, I mean I've I've seen uh you know Magors uh likes to use dark darts and um I know this just like extends the range a little bit. Right. You lose the cleave though. Yeah. Yeah, the cleave is the really important part for Magor, because they you also have um, what armor? Uh, what yeah, armor? Yeah. armor? Yeah, yeah. But this one's four range though. Pretty cool. But the four, the fact that it's four range could potentially have you uh, knock someone back. So anybody that moves three, you can knock them back, and then they're out of charge range now. Right, and also you get like some bonuses with lethal hexes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somebody yeah, standing could... on a. Somebody standing on an objective far away, you can just bump them off. Yep. Yep. And it's fairly accurate, too, for a ranged attack. There, there's very few ranged attacks that even hit on hammers. Yeah, it's got a lot of application. I just don't think the application is in actually finishing or killing models. You're not using it to do damage for the most part. You're just using it to position people in the wrong place, knock them off objectives, that sort of deal. It's got a lot of upside for doing that. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, and now we, we move on. We have uh, a few more, just a couple more to go. Um, we have Tome of Healing and Tome of Insight, which apparently are not cataphrane tomes because it doesn't say so on the card. Right. Apparently what someone they made a mistake and did not print tome. the bold text cataphrane tome on either of these cards. So Come I would on, expect a, probably errata, errata yeah. coming next week. Yeah, you know, beginning of May 2019, that It'll these two probably cards come out will concurrently. Have. Yeah. Now, All right. The but in terms of like how good they are, obviously, people who want to play tome decks will put them in the deck. Yeah, because they're not restricted to anything, right? Either of them. Right. No. Yeah, they're okay. not. So, so um, tome of healing comes from the uh, the 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 gun dwarves. Yeah, it's weird that the expansion. the dwarves get the healing one and the yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's right, because the healing one should go with the Yothari yeah. Guardians, and the Insight one should go with the Dwarves, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, they got um, you. They get you with that one. Yeah, I see. I at least knew that about the yeah. lore. All right. Um, Tome of Healing. Choose this fighter or an adjacent friendly fighter. Remove up to one wound token from that fighter's fighter card. Uh, so I think that you definitely use this, and eh, maybe you don't use it in, in Yothari Guardians because you have to spend an action for it. Yeah, yeah. it really depends on your density of healing. Yeah, maybe you don't use it. I think it's just a tome if you're playing a tome deck. Yep. Meh. All right. Yeah, I couldn't see this. I couldn't see any warband using this other than Ilthari's Guardians, and they probably have something better. We'll get to that in the next two or three episodes yeah, when we talk it. about them. All right. Uh, the next one is Tome of Insight. Now, I like this one just because this one is cool. It's interesting. I, I I don't know if this is worth an action, but. I would I'd like to try it and see if it is. Um, Tome of Insight action. Choose an opponent. They must reveal their power cards in their hand to you. 
It's only the power cards. It's not their objectives. Sure. Yeah. But you can check to see if they have ready for action yeah. or my turn or whatever. How do you feel about this one, Dean? Yeah, I, I don't know if the meta is in a place where you can afford the action to actually do this. Yeah, that's my only reservation about it. Because you, if you put this on on turn one, it's not really doing anything. By the time you get a glory, by the time you use the action, they don't have many cards left. You're not getting much value. Mm-hmm. Then if you use it like activation one on round two, like same thing. You're just giving up your first activation to uh, look at their hand. You get a lot of value and information out of it, but you... Now you're getting attacks some number of times in a row when you're not doing anything. Sure. I mean, what if you're what if you're a warband that likes to you know wait and draw a power card in the first activation anyway? Yeah, if that's what you're doing in the second or third round, that can be very good to know exactly better. Yeah. The turn is plan- how they're going to be planning out their turn because if you can see their hand, you can map out their turn to a pretty significant degree. Yeah. The the real uh, yeah. the real uh, question here is with. It, you know, you're, since you're burning an action, can you use the information you just got to win the game? Right. And only only very few players will actually be able to turn that information into, you know, into a win. Because you're not taking any cards from them. It's not like, you know, like a, like just a duress or something their, like that. Yeah, you just you're know just what it is. Intuit yeah. their, you know, their plan. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like aggressive decks want it or care. So the decks that want this are already playing at an action deficit, action economy deficit to begin with, and this just adds to that. So until we see if Ready for Action and My Turn ever get banned, which uh, I'm of the opinion they should be. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, you think they should be banned? Yep. They're, but they haven't been FAQ'd to death. Yeah, the, the issue is in a game of 12 activations, you... Uh, you're getting 10%, a little less than 10% every time you add a card like Ready for Action or My Turn. That's a huge advantage, and it benefits some warbands more than others. And they both came from uh, Season 1. Mm. So, I mean, they've had their time in the sun. We've all seen and We all know what they do. Every Most decks are playing them. Most decks that win are playing them, especially, yeah. and aggro sure. decks are playing them. Yeah. It's, it's just not very interesting design space. I'd like to see... At least when there's no counterplay. Like, if there was an objective card that had a similar effect that gave actions to objectives or something, like, you, you know, you get hit and you can teleport to an objective somewhere. You know what? Fine. You know what? Uh, you can take an action to move some Fainway Crystal, something that gives you, gives objective players some action economy back. I'd be interested. But it's just very one sided right now. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see if you're, if you're playing objectives a lot, like, that would be a cause of concern. Yeah, and if, they, and if they want to balance the game a little bit more and have these other like versions of decks be more viable and and try to yes. move away a little bit, I can understand that. That that's when the top of the meta game is Molog, Magor, and Stormsire. I mean, obviously Zarbags is the best right now. We all know that's the fact. I mean, yeah, the best. That's the truth. Come on. So, uh, uh, but yeah, the reality is those are the best decks, and there's a reason they're the best decks. They get more action economy than the other decks are getting. Gotcha. That's weird that you say that. Malog and Stormsire win all the games. However, you win with win Adepticon with uh, right, with Thorns of the Briar Queen objective same. deck. Right. Uh, that's just against, a against curse breakers. Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing is like you can that's level one is if you're familiar with like the leveling theory is level one is Magor's Malog. Level two is beating those decks. And I'm just sitting at level two. Mm-hmm. And obviously level three is someone's going to come around and have a deck that beats me but loses to level one and you have the whole rock, paper, scissors format, etc. 
But mm. I understand. Hmm. Do we have any more cards on here? We've got one more. Speaking of Thunder Buddies, uh, Well of Power is the last one. This is they they uh, this will be an alternate art card in the in the kit, and I can't wait because I'm going to use it in my Thunder Buddies deck. Uh, while this fighter is inspired, you can roll an extra dice when they attempt to cast a spell. So if you inspire something, it basically turns that wizard into the next level. Right. So if you're a level two wizard, you're now technically level three, which, oh, wow, Thedra can get up to four technically. Yes. Four yeah. dice. She has two ways to get to level three, which is kind of interesting. Whoa. Or four. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. All right. I you heard it. That up Put all the spells now. in your deck. Godsworn, Godsworn, slinging Dean Dean Bill's Adepticon Champ recommends doing that. There you go. You heard it. (laughs) That comes in the Authority Guardian one, and it also comes in the kit uh, tournament uh, as an alt art. I just like the idea that Storm Sire can roll three dice. It's a great card. He tries to shoot something. Right. It's it's a great card, especially if you have a spell attack. But like Zarbag, I don't think you would use this on him or Briar Queen. Yeah, and no, there's but, such a premium yeah. right now on 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 rolling extra dice and accuracy. Yep, Vortimus could definitely. I think this will definitely help Eyes of the Nine be a little bit better because they're yep. very they're very silly stuff. Yeah, very few Well, they should have made the the Wonder Twins attack a spell attack. Like I don't know why they didn't do that. They should have just made them better in general. Yes, they, they're they're very bad in general, and uh, it, it sucks that it's an action to get the uh, blue horror out. Yeah. Whereas Malog just puts his out on the board right away. Right, exactly. And like the only build that I've ever seen be successful with the eyes is just the tome build, and that's not very interesting. Yeah, it's not. That's what I I, I love eyes, eyes of the Nine. I played them for a long time, and I spent a lot of time painting mine. Yep. And it's just so frustrating to play them. And I really don't want to play that tomes deck just because it's kind of boring. You just throw everything yep. on this guy that can't die yep. and hope you win the game at the very end. Yeah. There was a uh, one guy at Adepticon and like the second day when it was like the more casual. Oh yeah, he won. Yeah, and he was he played uh, the objective that if you scored no other objectives, you get five glory or something, and actually <laughs> won the game. I'm just like I don't even know what's happening anymore. Did you have to play him? No, I I was playing a War Machine that oh, day. Okay, yeah. okay. Did he play? Didn't even want it. I don't know. I've, apparently, I heard, he was yeah. right, Randall. I heard that that guy had never played eyes of the nine before and yeah. just bought it at the or he got it in his swag bag from adepticon opened it up put some put some i guess he brought his cards with him yep he and, just yeah opened it up pushed the models together and played them which you shouldn't be allowed to do at adepticon based on the actual con rules but uh you know what no one's going to complain about playing against unpainted eyes of the nine it yeah. seems like a free win and the then they beat you yeah exactly you get pissed like, yeah. i'll teach you <laughs> You're like, oh, I, uh, I just, I just got eyes of the nine. Do you mind if I play them? You know, if you're a real player, you're like, sure, yeah, dude. sure, you yeah. should yeah. do that. <laughs> should do that right now. And then, and then he's and like, then he well, it looks like it's the end of the game, and I have nine tomes on the blue horror, and I just, what? Scored, yeah, <laughs> I just scored my nine, nine glory points. Tasted at the my end. own medicine, and yeah. it is bitter. Yeah, I all remember right. uh, there was a skeletons deck that played all the tomes, including the wizard only one, and I couldn't figure it out. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was it, it won glass at some local event, and uh, 
it must have just not have been a very big event because he had know. literally had the wizard one in there. It's <laughs> just like you can't even play it. You can't you, even do that. Yeah, you can't you, even. You can't even want it. Yep. <laughs> all right. Cool. All right. Yeah. So that that's all the uh, the the universal cards from those two. Uh, keep a lookout, and um, we'll get into the more faction specific stuff as I said before when we actually review those. Um, and now we're coming to the end of our episode, and we're coming to our uh, our long running segment, keys to salvation. And uh, this week, uh, Dean and I are going to talk about how to play games of Shadespire or underworld shades it's called shadespire um when you're not out and about at your local game store um and i'll talk about the way that i've been doing it and then dean's going to talk about the way that he does it um so what i've done lately is i have been using webcams to play this game and i will you know direct message a buddy or something like that and say like hey you want to play a cam game and so what i do is that i take um a webcam that i bought at best buy or you, wherever you want to get it from, uh, 40 bucks does fine. Has a little USB port on it. Stick it in my computer. Um, we go on a Google hangout or you could probably do it on FaceTime and, um, depending on what you have. And then I will just set the thing on a tripod above the table facing downwards right at the table. And then you can kind of just play like that. And then your opponent, uh, through the computer would have the same setup and uh, the only thing is that you would have to have the same um, the same um, war bands. So, for instance, uh, I've been playing uh, Curse Breakers lately, and then I've been asking the people that I've been playing with, hey, what are you playing? And since I have all the expansions, I just pull mine out. So um, so that's been working like that. And, um, and then you just play. You roll the dice on camera so that everybody can see. You put your cards off camera so they can't see. Um, and then it just allows you to get reps in, you know, when you're, uh, you know, you know, at nine o'clock at night and you can't go out and right. it's been pretty great. Yeah. It seems like really all you need is just to have the boards because you can use something else for proxy models or whatever. For oh whatever. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was playing monologues against our Rob Mead, who was on the, on the podcast a couple of times already. Um, and I was playing monologues and he didn't have his monologues set up yet. So he just used like Skaven models and it worked fine. Right. Yeah. Um, I played a couple games with, uh, from, with Chris spark up in uh, Connecticut. He was in Connecticut at the time. I was down in New York at the time and I played one with, uh, what the heck's is Davey Calkins. Davey, what's up? Your Stormcast deck is real slippery and I don't know what you did. I played two games, my curse breakers versus him store his Stormcast, And man, he wiped the floor with me. I don't even know what I'm not going to say anything because he said that he's working on this particular deck, but I got to look at it and it's like, it is slippery. Um, so he'll talk about it on his episode. Um, and then, uh, let's see, uh, and I played a couple against, uh, Rob, but, um, trying to, trying to get more of these games in and it just, it's easy. Cause you know, if you have, you know, it's, it's tough. Not everybody's available on every day, you know, not everybody's available to go, you know, 30 minutes to uh, to a store or something that might not be open that late at night anyway. And you can just play from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to wear pants, you know, step a little. You don't team. have to wear anything. You don't know you're off camera. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You just got to be just got to be careful about not getting too close to the table, you know. Right. Perfect. Perfect for nudists. Exactly. It's it's perfect. And you can, uh, you know, you could put the dishes away between yeah. rounds. You, you can't know? be like, nude in the game store. No. Well, you could, but it's frowned upon. Yeah. No, you can't. 
by some people. Some people love it. <laughs> anyway, but it has. The, the, Look, you don't the, have to the, explain the, what you like to me. I'm just saying, Randall. It's like. And this, like, this is like very popular. Um, like naked people in the story, you're allowed. Sure. So this is very popular, this format uh, for Magic. Dean, you can add to this. Uh, people play Commander this way. And so playing these uh, remote games with the webcam is is uh, starting to take off. Right. Yeah, especially when you don't need to have uh, all the pieces in front of you. There's not really any requirement that someone be right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Right. And and um, this game is a little bit easier to do this with than, say, something like X-Wing or 40K, um, because, first of all, X-Wing, and X-Wing takes up a lot of space and 40K takes up a lot of space. Right. But also, those are very movement dependent and there's no exact, like, spaces for things. Well, you need very or, precise movement, yeah. Right, which you, it's really hard to do over a webcam if you're doing, like, even X-Wing to do that because there's a little bit of wiggle room with, like, the templates and stuff. And with 40K, it's just... There's crazy amounts of things happening. You'd have to have two war bands, like yeah. uh, sorry, two two armies. Like there's no. It would be it that. would be impossible for 40k. But yeah. with but with underworlds, it's super easy because everything's so compact. Yep, there's only so many places something can be, and right, only so many models it makes Sounds it a lot good. easier. And, and Dean, how have you been playing remotely? Uh, on tabletop simulator. So there used to be an actual mod for uh, the game, uh, underworlds, but. Obviously, GW shut that down. Oh, when did that happen? Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably before I was using it. But if there's a Discord server and there, are, all the files are there. Okay, because I was trying to use it on on Steam, right? Is that the thing? And yeah. I just have a really old computer that's really glitchy and choppy, so I just like kind of gave up on it. Yeah, Tabletop Simulator for whatever reason uh, does burn up a lot of RAM just doing whatever it's doing in the background, generating graphics or whatever else that right. are kind of unnecessary. But um, yeah, you have to go onto the discord and they, all the files are there to zip file just to extract it in a certain directory for a TTS to find it. And then you just, it loads everything. It's got all the war bands, all the boards, all the rules, dice, everything for your war band specific. It actually, uh, you can, you can export decks right out of uh, underworld's DB or whatever format you see them in. And uh, you can just get a game, set up your boards, roll the dice, invite whatever number of people you want to play or watch the game. Like when we were setting up for Adepticon, it was me and my two brothers and uh, another guy, uh, Victor Sfransky. And we would all just be in the same room uh, playing two games at the same time on the tables or whatever. Yep. Just seeing what was going on. And uh, it's cool because it's like basically the cutouts, they're not like the actual models, they're just cutouts and they're just like the front of the uh, stat card kind of or the front of the model from like the GW webpage. They just like took a picture of it, cut it out and put it on a little standee or something. Right. So, and this happens a lot in with tabletop simulators, you know, there'll be the community will create a mod that yes. they put on the steam workshop. And then sometimes the, the company that makes the game, like the, somebody will take like, you know, scan all the cards or whatever and make those little car- cutouts and make the whole you know module, but the the company that makes the game will come in and shut it down. Yeah, um, we can get into it, but it's actually it's a problem in Britain. Um, basically, with the way the copyrights work there, if you don't if you don't aggressively defend your copyright, you lose it. So hmm. uh, that's why they are very aggressive with all of their IP. I see. All right. So uh, it's not really their fault so much as just wanting to keep their cash cows and keep their cash flowing and what have you 
Right, and it's the Discord. You have a, there's a Discord server that you find. That's how you find opponents too. Yeah. You can just be like, look, I'm looking for a game at whatever time. Someone will message you be like, hey, I'm looking for a game as well, and you just play whoever. Yeah. Um. I I was trying to play a game with uh Jason from um, whoa, what is this thing? He's down in North Carolina. It's the uh, the Battle Mallet podcast. I think he's on that. Mm-hmm. Um. He's a good guy. We met him at Nova uh, last year. Um. So. Yeah, but I tried playing tabletop simulator with him. I just have a—you have to have a good computer with a lot of RAM, otherwise it's really tough. Just the webcam doesn't require much, though. Webcam does webcam. not. Jason, you want to play on webcam? Hit me up, man. <laughs> yeah. Very All cool. right. Yeah, but look, everybody who's out there, just because you're—you know—if you have. If you're in a situation where there's not a lot of players around, you know, webcam is really a thing to do. TTS is really a thing to do. It gives you those reps in, um, yep. and you get to play, you know, the game that you love. You know, don't 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 give up. Don't, yeah, and it, it would, don't this would be when tomorrow. you think about it. Underworlds would be a really cool video game if they were to ever right make one of that. It would be really oh, awesome. Oh, you like, know, you have like animations and yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, doesn't you ever have one already? Like, like, what is it? Like, Champions is already on well, there. Isn't yeah, it? that's a that that doesn't have models though. It's just a card. That's game. true. Card card game. Game. Yeah. There's actually less cards in Underworld, so it'd be probably much easier to implement as well. Yeah. All right. I hope they do that with with like uh you know animations or whatever when you're. Yeah, like a Magic Arena or something, but right. just yeah, it could be very easily done and be very cool to see. God, I hope they do that. That'd be so cool. And that would bring more people into the real game, too, I feel. Yeah. It, because Magic Arena has brought a lot of people into Paper Magic. Right. You, you wouldn't expect it to go that way. You'd be like, all right, well, why would I put pants on and leave my house when I can just play at home? Mm-hmm. But it actually does get people out looking around. It, and, it actually uh, does, for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. It's like almost like people like to sit in the same room as each other and talk. Yeah, I don't know why, but that's yeah. something that yeah. happens, yeah. I don't know. And all of the, uh, yeah, definitely. It's like, it's all bearded guys with long hair, like you and me, Randall. And it's mm-hmm. like, uh, do we, do we want to No, we do really. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Let's all get in a giant room with all of us and play this game. I, I don't know. I find it very funny, but it's like, great. Um, anyway. So the point being is that, uh, key to salvation, there are ways to play this game, even if you can't get out. Um, and, and yeah, Get your reps in. Yeah, or if you really like the game and you had like one or two friends that were into it with you, but then they stopped and you want to continue playing, you can try uh, branching out into other ways to play and not give up on the game because it's a great game and you should continue playing it. All right. So sounds good. Yep. That's all we got. Dean, thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just go, go win another grand clash we'll have you back on no i'm just kidding no. do you want to <laughs> shout out anything your store or yeah absolutely any no, other got... teams you're on or anything no real shout outs for me uh i mean the only team we're a part of is we're team wheaties and mm-hmm. uh, at the end of adepticon the f- three of us were all the top of our respective factions which was kind of interesting as oh, far cool. as uh points for uh best coast pairings Damn. wait so you had best night haunt best best monologues best and best godsworn haunt Godsworn Hunt, rather. Wait, wait, wait. We mean Godsworn. I thought David was the only guy who played Godsworn. No, Duncan. Uh, in the 
the fun tournaments played Godsworn. Oh, both oh in fun tournaments. Okay. He just wanted to see how much damage he could do with what's his face, and it was just like he's just hitting people for seven or something. Oh, like oh and lethal on. strike yeah. with Grendon yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. awesome. All right, that's cool. Hey, so thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, Randall, anything you gotta say before we go? Nope. Yeah, I'm good too. All right. So, uh, so everybody, thanks for listening, um, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, bye.